So as I've said, it becomes clearer um, you know, in working. You know, there's an organic quality to it, so we don't start coming on a blank page. We come in already quite scribbled over. So quite a bit of the early period is just about clearing the marks, or at least understanding the marks on our pages. Some of them quite deeply <laughs> scribbled. <laughs> uh, not very gracious things on them. So it's cleaning, refreshing, invigorating, strengthening chitta. This is our, uh, we're going on a pilgrimage, need to get the resources. And uh, it comes into the heart. The heart is the, the director, the intentional experience, the intention, the aspiration, the wish, the inclination, even the, the drive. You know, it's moderated, it's got gears on it. It also um, receives impressions, is able to take in feelings and perceptions and impressions and digest those. So it's, it's, uh, it's this particular system. And both of those qualities have to be refreshed. So, uh, so for example, our intentionality may be locked onto, onto top gear all the time as the only way of, be, of operating. Well, this isn't really good when you're in an urban area. You want to have low gears too. If you're going up mountains, you're going to have low gear. Or you just burn your engine out. Uh, and it's a long, realize you're in a marathon, not in a sprint. So you've got to get a momentum. And ideally, the, the energies you're putting in will begin to, the first thing is to construct a feedback loop so that the energies you're putting in are going to come back to you <laughs> and keep you going. So it's not just, you know, throwing it out. Uh, it's got to reach something that can feed it back to you so that you're, you're, not, you're regenerating you know, in, in, a, in a healthy loop. And um, so just to bear in mind that we can, of course, aim for ideals, uh, but the ideals will not themselves give you feedback. You know, like aiming for samadhi. Yeah, but that idea is not going to feed you. It may urge you, but it can't feed you because it's only an idea. <laughs> right? It may kind of galvanize you, but it can't nourish in the same, in the, yeah, because it's not its job. It's, it doesn't do that. It's a virtual reality at this time. So be cautious about these, these aspirations. Certainly the ability to aspire, the ability to aspire, that could be nourishing, just a sense of the ability to lift the heart and feel one's purpose, one's dignity, one's growing, perhaps one's growing strength or confidence and enjoy it. That's purposeful because you can feel it. And the more that they do that, then samadhi happens by itself. So there's, not, there's, not, there's no such thing or it's not necessary. But, you know, the process is constantly forming a healthy feedback loop. So you're getting the supplies and the cleansing and the refreshing and the feeding that will bring that result around. And so, you know, and you have to know what's going to, how to begin that feedback loop. Something that's accessible, that you can get, manage, you can 
get in touch with. Yeah. Uh, so this can occur on various ways. You're know, clearly just being able to take a precept and no one's keeping it and no one's keen on keeping it and feel, yes, I was able to do this. You know, this is beautiful. This is praised by the wise. You know, and recognize if everybody in the world just kept the first precept or even half a precept, not to kill other humans. <laughs> you know, that would be, make a lot of problems disappear, wouldn't it? Not to, to, to intoxicate would be a good idea. Not to deliberately lie and, and, and badmouth each other, that would be pretty helpful. And we're doing all of those. So isn't that worthwhile of, of feeling, yeah, you know, there's something, it's not just an ideal. There's a tangible reality of, of goodness in the heart that, that cherishes that and feels dismayed at the loss of it, as we do. When we see it in the world around us, it shocks us, it shocks me. It never ceases to dismay and disappoint me. Even though, yeah, you, you, know, you live with it, don't you? But you end up with that kind of state of just live with it. Which is it's a sort of a, a way in which you don't get so hurt. But isn't it nice when you don't have to just endure the, the crass ignorance of <laughs> deluding? of behavior, but actually rejoice in the, the sensitivity and the caring and the respect that's available, <laughs> you know, in oneself and certainly in a communal field. And it, it's, you know, it's this great gain for me, great gain for me. And this in these uh, suttas, you, you know, they, they didn't mince their words. They said, this is great gain for me. <laughs> they, were not, they were not bashful about it. <laughs> Because it, they weren't ashamed of feeling good <laughs> and enjoying it, you know. uh, because of the feedback. You know, even they'd even say we feel happy just even recognize the Buddha's walking this way. We feel happy. You know. There's one story: these two ministers of a king who just remember just thinking that we've heard rumor that the Buddha's coming their way, and they start to get happy. <laughs> And as it gets closer, they get happier and happier. Just that sense of, you know, our teacher is coming this way, start to lift. This is just uh, delightful uh, in, in, in the sensitivity, the appreciation of the good. So this cultivating a skillful feedback loop where we do definitely get, chitta gets positive effects. And to know there is such a quality, whatever you want to call it, that does experience those positive effects, and it's it's as obvious as that. Whether you what that is, but there it is. It does. One does feel lifted by the goodwill and generosity of others, the kindness and the uh, the uh, compassion of others. One is lifted by it. Mm. So, so this can just recollection like this, mm. and then you know. You can take it deeper, where it becomes less less consciously triggered by a thought, and more like just a sense of tuning in on a, on a subtler level, perceptual level, of sensing and feeling. And this becomes more in the domain of what we call meditation, though it's all meditative. And really, here we we're recognizing the the um, usefulness 
of, of the somatic experience of the body feeling relaxed and comfortable and at ease or having somewhere where it feels comfortable and at ease clearly the physical body is always experienced well mine is always experienced some kind of pain or another is always going to be on the horizon <laughs> it's just that's what but that's not its fault that's just birth you know uh, and uh, yeah it gets hungry it gets thirsty it gets cold it gets uncomfortable feeling happens to it but then say uh, more more usefully on uh, the somatic level of feeling free from tension and compression and feeling open and uh, energy is being balanced jitta really really enjoys that feels comfortable in that feels because it, it feeds straight into this this jitter experience like there's a, a transfer across the immaterial the subtle materiality i mean it just that's what it is but i you know i've used those words but that's what i experience so with this going then it said one can feel happy even amongst in the presence of people who don't like you you can still feel okay because you've got this inner feedback loop that's warming and you know and encouraging so in terms of, of our days then you know uh, it gives us a good range because you always have a body you can always think you can always recollect you can always breathe in and out you can move you can feel you can stay in that and you're also in, a, in an environment where you can look around and no traffic no bleeping no alarm signals no you know it's, it's peaceful it's calm it's pure it's void of violence or criminality and it's a gift This teaching and this situation, you know, both in the time of the Buddha and its ongoing uh, transmission, the purity of heart that transmits it, is out of compassion. The Buddha teaches out of compassion. The Dhamma is transmitted out of compassion. This means there's no bill on the teaching. You know, it may be necessary to, you know, pay the heat oil company or the heating bills and so forth. There's no bill for the teaching because that wouldn't really honour it. It wouldn't keep the transmission of the Dhamma and it's proper, this is beyond price. This is straight from the heart. The Buddha would never do a deal. No deal. So it would, it would constrict, it would limit the transmission. So you have to deserve this. No, you don't have to deserve it. There's no deal. It's offered because compassion is 
the heart's true response to the experience of people's need, uh, people's hunger, people's sense of searching for refuge. And if that search and that hunger comes within one's field of attention, the heart must open. Isn't this the case? If something comes into your heart like that, isn't that the case? Now, certainly quite a lot of stuff we don't really let in because it's just there's too much of it. But anything that comes directly into your into your heart, then isn't some urge to offer, you know. So the quality of karuna So this means you, the heart must not be blocked, both to give and to receive. The blockages around giving and receiving are deserve. That blocks, you don't deserve this. That blocks the giving. I don't deserve this. This blocks the receiving. Then the transmission can't occur. Right. If you want to give someone a gift and they say, no, I don't want it, you can't do the giving, can you? You can't experience the happiness of, the, of a fruitful connection of goodwill and the happiness that, that arises with that sense of empathy and sharing and, and uh, that occurs. It can't occur if somebody says no. So, you know, it's not like well, you deserve it, I'll give you so much. It's No, it's, it doesn't work like that. Mm. I don't deserve it, I can't take it. That doesn't work like that. Mm. There's offering and receiving require each other. To allow that transmission to occur. So there's an energy there. Energy needs to link, to flow. You block it, it doesn't and then everybody's deprived of the fruitfulness of that. And this is you know, not just the theory. I mean, they, they say the only way that the, the monks can really express disapproval of the lay people is they, they do it. So on a very few occasions, they walk into town with their bowls turned upside down, meaning we're not taking your food. <laughs> That's considered like you have definitely, we do not, you know, you're not considered worthy. That's some deep disapproval. Mm. But then when we come into the personality level, it gets very confusing because a lot of the personality is built around being good enough, isn't it? You know, so just bear in mind you have jitta, which is just straight heart, simple. Well, it's fairly simple and it's, it just takes in and gives out. It's, it, it enjoys love, it enjoys opening, it enjoys calm, it enjoys goodness, it enjoys brightness. It feels hurt and afflicted by poisons. It's just, that's the way it is. It's quite an innocent creature, sometimes naive, admittedly, gullible and confused. But then the, the personality is, is, is a structure that, that 
gets built in accordance with social contact. So it's our, our window, you could say, or our door, jitter's door, front door, or the outer clothing that gets built to meet the social human world. So it's programmed by human contact. So when we first come into the world, we don't have much of a personality, but it gradually develops in accordance with the signs of approval, disapproval, encouragement, rebuking, general, what we, we, we social world we're born into. And that continues for many, many years, I think, throughout our life. But particularly, very early, we're extremely permeable. And that's another one of the jitta's blessings and problems, is that we are, when you're very early, you're barely separate. So you're just drinking in the atmospheres around you. Not much skin. And unfortunately, the atmospheres are not always uh, suffused with wisdom and compassion. Uh, so one develops protective skin, defensive gestures, and search for approval. So very often, from perhaps well-intentioned but not deep understanding, you know, elders, adults will constantly encourage little ones to, to improve, to get better, you know, to advance, to progress. So they win approval if they progress in education or something like that. And maybe that's, well, anyway, there it is. But, um, you know, it, it, to that extent, if that's the case, then there should be an adequate amount of congratulation and, and to 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 um, feed that back. But what can happen for people is there's so much expectation of performance and criticism for not getting it right or not being big enough or being too big or not being tidy or whatever that the personality of, of the little one becomes extremely driven, uh, goal-oriented, and highly conscious, highly self-conscious, performance-driven societies where work and education and, and getting those grades is a significant, great significance to what will be one's welfare in the material social world, uh, then um, we, we get formed into these, these shapes and patterns. Uh, and then they, they do not allow a lot of contentment <laughs> with oneself as one is. Mm. They, they do almost set up a natural incline to be better, to progress, they should. Mm. So this becomes endemic, so the intentionality of the jitta is highly programmed to improving and not very well programmed to being contented uh, and happy with oneself and comfortable and knowing where that is. Uh, highly programmed towards seeking um, wealth or security or excellence in the material world, not very well programmed towards finding refuge in oneself, in one's heart. This means that even if you, we do, but then if we do it, 
you realize the heart can only drink in you know, uh, real heart energies such as warmth, friendliness, kindness. It can only do that. It can't drink in, you know, a promotion or a money or a, a five-star excellence in this, that, or the other as itself. It has to translate into something else to be taken in. And if that system is blocked by could be better, then you don't even take that in. And so often what happens is, is the striving to be better so distorts the heart that it becomes incapable of receiving and taking in uh, contentment, gratitude, appreciation, well-being. Mm. This is, maybe I haven't explained it very well, but these are certainly um, things I've become more aware of through teaching and being with people who one feels considerable admiration for and uh, seemingly impervious to their own uh, strengths and uh, uh, values. To the inner critic that which is driving us onwards and feels one doesn't deserve unless one <laughs> you don't deserve unless you and even then you don't really deserve yeah. and so it becomes a default and always like the carrot in front of the donkey the goal is always somewhere in the future that's unattainable and as one continues to not attain it one feels even more critical the one still hasn't attained this quality of, of well-being so it's driven on and then when you really have to cut the string on, on that carrot or whatever it is dangling so you know, to, it's not going to be in the future it's not going to be somewhere else it's not going to be what you should be or could be or ought to be or somebody else thinks you might be or would be or you know it's not going to happen there it's not going to happen through that system it's not going to happen in, in some accountancy department that tots up how good you are and how bad you are and comes out with a with a bill <laughs> it's not going to happen there that's that's it doesn't do that that's just purely um, concept concepts and personality judgments but there's a so we have to get beneath that or below that or apart from that or away from that and I would say beneath it is not a bad way to look at it I don't need beneath it in a undignified way but but beneath it in a more primary level somewhere where before your personality occurs uh, and where would that be well we might say as uh, before we had a personality we had a body before we developed a personality, we had a, a living system that breathed, metabolized, fed us, gave us oxygen, whether we deserved it or not. <laughs> it still breathed. We had a system that was able to uh, give us balance, get us to stand upright, walk around, sense faculties that were able to function, whether we deserved it or not. We were in something which was given, whether we deserved it or not. It didn't ask for anything. The air never asked. The air never asked to be paid back. 
The earth doesn't ask for anything, it just offers. So we're born into this with all its limitations, but yet basically we're given the gift has been given. The raw materials have been given, you know, for a certain period of time. Let's make use of it. Initiate the feedback loop that will so grow that you will be able to walk free. Your heart will be able to walk free of this earth, this mortality, this body, this life. And the feedback loop can. This is the teaching or the encouragement. You start that feedback loop, however humbly it is, you keep feeding it back. That loop, as it feeds back, is going to grow and strengthen and enrich. And you keep that turning. Hmm? Somebody mentioned turning the wheel of the Dhamma in the heart, which is a nice expression. But yeah, you have to keep, t- you have to keep it going though. <laughs> You know, that means you've got to keep putting in the feedback. Yeah. Mm. The increments, uh, the releases, the absences of ill will, the absences of suffering. Mm. Recognizing the places we are not stressing out, we're not reacting, we're not burning, we're not anguishing. <laughs> Recognize those places, you know, those moments, those areas where you're just you're not stressing, and focus on those, the non-worry, the non-aversion, the non-harshness towards self or others. And there's, there you see that, so it's very holistic. It doesn't matter where it is. You pick up the theme, the sign, the tune, the mood, the atmosphere. What is that? Pick it up, tune to it, listen to it, feed into it, take it in. That's going to be part of your feedback loop. It's going to keep, oh, you remember, there's the good. Feels like that. Why does that delight me? Doesn't matter. There it is. Take it in. Enrich it. Focus on it. Make a sign out of it. Bring it into your heart. This is strengthening. As I mentioned, the cultivation of metta is not just a, you know, like a defined separate practice, it's a way of life. It's an atmosphere. If we're not dwelling in that, what are we dwelling in? <laughs> yeah. Dwelling in a realm of inadequate, you know, feeling inadequate and feeding on that. Yeah. Dwelling in a realm of finding fault and feeding on that. Yeah. Developing in a. What do you think? What are we? What are we breathing in? Yeah. Fresh air or smoky contaminated stuff. So it's not just, uh, you know, may this being be well, though of course one can certainly focus it, but you pick up the sign, the tune, the theme, uh, 
and then you can, you've got the material in your heart and then you can direct that more specifically as it is suitable. So picking up the theme, because again this can be, can be, we can begin with assuming this should take place on a personality level, which is not always and sometimes actually definitely not the place to begin because it's easy to get into a, a loop of feeling one isn't a very loving person. One should be more loving than one is, but one definitely had a feeling of unlo- being unloving towards so-and-so who banged that thing on the table, didn't feel very happy about it. Or, you know, or I don't really loving to my nephew or my uncle or that, and so on. So you get into personal um, foibles and quirks which perhaps the personality isn't built around loving kindness, built around being approved of, which is a different thing. It's built around being deserving, which is a different thing. It's not built around unconditioned contentment. It's built around getting better. So that system finds it difficult to really, you know, to both receive and transmit without some confusion or distortion or or, you know, or lacking authenticity. And certainly this is a, a topic because of course these words can be thrown around and get commercialized. You know, social gesture. Oh, welcome, baby, well. You know, you know, thank you, have a nice day. <laughs> Thank you for your patience. Thank you very much. Yeah. It means we just messed you up. Thank you for your patience. <laughs> so what's really meant is just don't bother me. <laughs> Who knows? But we can't just just weigh the words alone and feel those contain this definite quality. So sometimes the verbal systems, one doesn't really feel much true value coming in them on the personality level. So it's so much probably much better to work on a perceptual level, just sensing. You know. Just sort of like the bodily level. The ground beneath me is holding me up. I didn't have to deserve it. Resting on it. Breathing in and out is happening without me being that mindful of it. Or even that proficient at it, it happens. Uh, around me the space is quite safe. Is that the case? Make it that make it that way. Feed it out. Acknowledge it. Obstructed. Intruded upon. Check it out. Is that the case? Imagine you're not welcome, could do, but where's if you feel that way, where what's happening in your body? Because of course the body carries certain reflex imprints or traces or synergies, sankaras, as our jitta operates as the jitta sankara, the mental activations, 
habituate certain programs, certain emotional, psychological behaviors get programmed. The body gets programmed because the, the sankharas, the synergies flow across from the body to the mind, into the nervous system. So as you feel worried, your belly tenses up. As you feel frightened, your body shrinks. As you feel gladdened, your body opens. So it's just that, isn't it? So if we're feeling a sense of not entirely comfortable, not entirely welcome, other people, and then you can proliferate around it, other people might not, I didn't do this right, I turned up late, I wasn't here in the morning puja, something. What's happening in your body? Nobody said that. What's happening? Why are you saying that? Where's the guilt or the fear? How's that in your body? Is it in your belly? How are your shoulders? And just working on that bodily level to so as in the monastic life we make the invitation so the invitation is I have something wrong just inform me of that what I now do what I can otherwise because I want to be clear I want to be free of this guilt feeling of not being good enough I want to know if it's really the case or whether somebody else has got an issue so if there's no nobody has given me any flack, why am I giving myself flack? <laughs> so just checking into the body because it's the nature of it. When we we are group creatures, so we sense the presence of others and something in us. Am I accepted? Not accepted? Okay, doing as good as you know. Is she okay with me? She moved her cushion away. Does that mean she doesn't like me? I'm doing something wrong or what's going on here, or he looked a bit sad when he looked to me the other day, is it something I did or said or didn't do or didn't say, or, you know, who knows, maybe he's, he's got, you know, you're not the only object in his world, and so you don't know, but you know, it's just, I want to free of that guilt and regret, so let's go down into the body, right, can I release the belly, can I relax my back, the two work together, as you notice when you're defensive, you're gut tightens and your shoulders will tend to hunch over. That's just a natural physiological reaction. So it's doing the opposite, working against it, getting more familiar with these somatic intelligence. So you're freeing the body from the cramp of ill will. And so you're working on like that because if you start to try and figure out intellectually it's going to be very complicated. Is he just being nice and polite, but really has this residual grudge, but he's just covering it? She's so nice, she wouldn't dare to, to tell me the truth about myself. But really, you know, I'm a bit of a nuisance, but everybody's just being nice. And he goes, oh God. And, you know, it's so complicated. I don't really know the truth about me, you know. <laughs> and so on and so on and so on. So you're just dealing with the virtual ghost realm. And this is where the hindrances and the tyrants, they like that realm, they really hold sway over that. So you just come to this material level and and the physicality and the somatic quality of it. Because that doesn't have virtuals, it only has actual.
we may feel the traces of the hiding or the or the uh, slumping or the inability to feel open and clear then right well let's just just practice with that and then how is it like when you're on your own can you sustain it and then you come into the kitchen there's lots of people sitting and eating and you just can you sit there and just feel open comfortable if you want to sit over by the window if that's where you feel better you want to do it at a distance mm-hmm. and just allowing each other to find space where you can where everybody can feel the sense that they can be open according to how it is for us at this particular time and not interpreting on a personal level just this is where she's been taking her comfort good for her wonderful that's what gives her contentment it's not bothering me So really encouraging each other to to look after our well-being and not be judging and comparing. This kind of basic level of acceptance. And just so if we, just uh, the bottom bottom line of it is, can you just even make a practice of taking a, you know, time in the day, who knows, could be all day, could be half an hour, could, it's not really a time or minute thing, it's just touching base and prolonging the base where you're just present and you're not trying to adjust anything, you're not trying to adjust anything, get it, your body as reasonably comfortable as it can be in an upright way, in a situation which is okay and then don't adjust anything and don't turn away and so you feel these waves of restlessness or uncertainty or I should be doing something or I haven't got into samadhi yet or I really need to make my practice improve or you know after all I'm here wasting time and other people could be doing the street I'm just hanging out I should be getting more earnest in my practice and Really, 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 goodness me, here we go. <laughs> just don't adjust it. Don't try and fend it off. Just bring it on, you know. Okay, sit there, this miserable tyrant roaming around looking for some food, looking for something to complain about, you know. You know, sorry I haven't got anything here for you today, tyrants. <laughs> but you're welcome, if you want to do that, you know. I'm, I'm not going to adjust anything to satisfy you. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go and tidy the room. I'm not going to go and, you know, do all these kind of funny little twiddly things I do to make myself feel that I'm making life better. <laughs> yeah. Just sheer, and then you're holding it, sustaining it. Yeah. I'm not going to be worrying about helping anybody else for half an hour, or an hour, or you know, which is a good intention. But now, you know, we have this chance to really 
examine the roots of these things. How much of it is trying to pay our way? Mm. And can you find the place where there's no deal? All this art, you know, if there's anything, it's just please be present. Sustain presence. And most, you know, and this is not a small thing. You will earn something by sustaining presence with all these fluctuating twinges and perceptions and memories and hopes and wishes and just staying present, open, feeling it and holding presence. And what will occur is that if if these tendencies find no place to grasp and not given a handhold on your heart, are not able to push the volitional switch so you start acting upon them. They keep poking at that button to see if they can get something going. After a while, oh well, she's go and find somebody else. There's always somebody else they can play with. <laughs> so then, oh. And so when this, uh, then these trays, if they dissolve, you're left as an innate quality. Presence itself, presence itself feels good. It's rich. It's it's joyful. And when, you know, we've begun the feedback loop. We've touched into something that where the true nourishment wells up, springs up. Now you've begun. Now you've got it. You know. You may have dropped it and picked it up again. Now it's there. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be the the place of regeneration and refreshment. And as long as that, you've always got that reference point. Then clearly, you know, as one does in that quality, in that state, when you you see the presence of others, you have a sense of empathy. Just, just sheer empathy, just metta, out of empathy. And this is the way it is. You know, animals do this, who don't have complicated personalities, who don't keep precepts, who don't meditate, who don't earn a living. Immigrants. <laughs> So even you know creatures like animals express uh, empathy and gratitude. I was reading this story of this penguin, you know, who a uh, fisherman, Brazilian fisherman, rescued this penguin and cleaned oil off its flippers or something. You know, so they set the then nursed it, got it well, and set the penguin free. Because the penguins live in Antarctica, and this fisherman was living, I think, in Brazil. And every year, this penguin would make a pilgrimage back to this beach in Brazil to express gratitude to the fishermen. <laughs> it was, I don't know how many thousand miles to travel. And, but it, they rec- recorded it. You know, and you'd see the penguin come flipping his flippers and looking happy. To, and comes up to the fisherman and starts rubbing his beak against the 
the fishermen. I did this every year. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's not a, they didn't care whether the fishermen smoked or drank or <laughs> played cards or meditated or, you know, just grateful for saving my life. And the, em- the empathy experience and the gratitude experience is really cellular. Cellular. And animals, it's well, well documented the, the gratitude that animals express towards uh, people who look after them and even their willingness to, to protect dolphins you know will gather around a human being in the sea to make sure they're okay protect them from sharks you know, you think, really and you think really on the track record we are not particularly likable creatures when you see our behavior towards other Animals, and yet, doesn't matter. So this is not a personality thing. Personality is an expression, it's like our, our speaker. And there's only so much you can do with a speaker to make the tune right. Because the tune doesn't come from the speaker, it just comes through the speaker, doesn't it? No matter how highly tuned and sophisticated the speaker is, it still can't come up with a tune. The tune comes from somewhere else. Where's that? The place where the heart and the body meet. This place where the intelligences of sentiency and awareness we're sentient and we know we're sentient. We're sensitive in a sensual environment and we know it. We're aware of that. That's where body and mind meet, at that place. And that's the place where we experience primary sympathy, primary empathy. And this is what we enact or participate in, particularly with embodiment practices, you know, coming into the somatic field, into the blockages, into the health, and moving from the health into the difficult areas and accessing the health, the openness, the fluidity, the breathing in, the breathing out, whatever it is, and Picking up the sign, carrying it through the body, carrying it through the heart, carrying it to the world around us. So this is acceptance, begins with acceptance and turns into the general atmosphere of metta, karuna, mudita, upekara.